Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. No, this is a very mom-friendly workplace. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. It's that I don't know how to use Snapchat at the hip media company. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I've been dropped into the Hunger Games and now, no, go. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You'll be dead before you pay this loan off. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we're talking about pivoting. Okay. I love this. We, on our six-year anniversary episode, we're talking about things that we'd taken away from the podcast. And I said that really the most important thing for me that I had taken away from the podcast was finding a new path at midlife, shall we say generously to myself. I might be slightly past midlife, but let's just ignore that for now. Let's imagine that I'm in midlife. Pivot beyond around that. I might be a couple of holes into the back nine, as we say, but that's not what we're talking about. It's the fact that, so I had started my career as a comedian, writer out in LA, had a big shot agent, was doing the thing, you know, was moving and grooving, going to fancy meetings with, you know, semi-famous people and driving up to the lot and doing my thing. And then that crashed and burned spectacularly, really even before ever getting started. I mean, as we've discussed, first of all, shout out to the person who said that they did not want to make me feel like an oldie locks, but they had watched the movie I wrote, Bratz, Starn and Styling, when they were 11. So I am an oldie locks. Back in my day. But yeah, so I had this very specific vision for my future. Tina Fey, basically, writ large. That's what I thought I was going to be. Writer, actor, famous person. And then I I found myself home with three kids under four, writing a blog and kind of feeling cast out of paradise, just so detached from any sort of career and therefore somewhat detached from myself. And it's not just for creative. I feel like a lot of times we're two creative people. The way out of this is to be creative, just figure out a new way to use your creativity. I think that's true for a lot of people, but the answer isn't for everybody to like write a book or start a podcast. Start a blog. Right. <laughs> right. Make stuff to get out of that. It's just not the right answer for everybody, I feel like. But you do need to pivot. Pivot is universal. This is a difficult topic to talk about universally. The reasons people work, don't work, come back to work, leave work are not universal. A lot of people, it's 
purely economics, right? Like you need the double income or you need to leave your job because daycare is too expensive or your spouse is military and you travel every two years. And so holding a job is difficult. Right. Your kid is sick. Your mom is sick. Whatever. There are reasons. Yes. And so as I've quoted, uh, Roxanne Gay says this before, if you don't hear your experience spoken of today, it doesn't mean your experience is not valid. We are not going to be able to speak to everyone's experience of trying to pivot as a mom. We are, I think, generally talking about employment, although I guess I know some people who have pivoted from staying at home in one way and staying at home in a different way or finding a new hobby or pursuit. But we are generally talking about employment. And one of the reasons I also wanted to talk about this is that so when we started the podcast, my kids were little. They were elementary school, all of them. And maybe I think I had one in preschool, maybe even when we started. And I noticed that when I got together with my mom friends who had little kids, that what we talked about was the kids. How are they eating? What are How are they hitting their milestones? Like soccer games. And are you signing them up for this? And what are they going as for Halloween? Was that even true with people that you knew before you became parents? Like your old screenwriting group? Did you talk about kids? Those people you talk about what you used to talk about. No, because also we had kids at such different ages and stuff. But the thing I'm talking about, like my mom friends in town, basically, who have similarly aged kids. And what I notice now that my youngest just started fifth grade. So all of my kids are technically, we do middle school starting in fifth grade here. So they're all middle schoolers. And I have my first starting high school. What we talk about when we get together is what's next. Are you going back to work? I'm starting to feel, you know, alone in the house. The kids are gone. I mean, my kids nowadays, I notice that they often get on their bikes after school. They ride to town. Like I often don't see a kid between eight and five. And even then I feed them dinner. We do a little homework. And then on the weekends, they're out with their friends. They're at the football game, whatever different things they're doing. And I am right at that point, And a lot of my mom friends are where the kids need less in some ways and their days are freer. And so they're really asking themselves like, now what? Yes. And P.S. when your kids need less of you, they don't need you till they do right until there's a something they really need to hash out with you. But also a lot of the time they don't like you like you're not getting the same kudos, you know, the same uh, water cooler conversation you were when your 12 year old was six and mommy was his everything. Now they're kind of annoyed by you. And, the, and you can when you live with a group of people, all of whom seem low key annoyed with you, except when it's for dinner. Yeah, it is time to figure something else out. And I have always tried to sort of understand this for myself, like pivoting, what literally what pivoting means, right, is one foot has to stay like if you're pivoting in basketball, you have to keep one foot stable, but the other foot can turn 360 degrees. So that's so, good. That's great. Like you keep one foot grounded. Trying, yeah. Like trying to focus on you're always going to have that foot in mom world. Right. But sure. You're spinning it a little bit. Options are wide open to try to focus on the foot that can move in 360 directions rather than the foot that's stuck. My mom, when I was growing up, had worked in D.C. in government and had pretty big jobs. You know, she was the head of recruiting for the Peace Corps when it first started. I mean, it was not she was a career lady about town. Like people would always say to her, like, I love that you went for a career instead of having kids because she was maybe 32, 33 when she got married. And so people just thought like, oh, she. She left it all behind. She's going to be, you know, career woman. And then she 
stopped working when she got married and had my brother, which all happened in rapid succession. And then she stayed home and did, you know, volunteer stuff. She was always busy, but not working a paid job. And then when I was maybe in high school, I might have been my first year of college, she went back to school and got a social work degree. And then she spent the last 20 years of her career doing family therapy. So she really pivoted. I mean, she did the classic thing. And that's, I do see a lot of people doing that now. Grad school, am I going to change? Am I going to have a second career? And I will say, before we started the podcast, I definitely had a couple of years where I was seriously thinking of getting an MSW degree and doing social work stuff. Mm. And I just never quite, I feel like I would have been good at it, but I also felt really in my bones. Like every time I went to fill out the application, like, no, there. I want to be an entertainer. That's what <laughs> I want to be. And I want to make people laugh, which I guess I could have done as a social worker too, but I- Smaller audience. I don't know. I couldn't pull the cord on it. I felt this pull to this other thing. So, But that's great. Like, that's the perfect, right? You found, and you weren't like, you know what I want to do? A podcast. When we started our podcast, again, not to focus exclusively on creative solutions to this universal problem, but we didn't start the podcast to be doing it six years later. I mean, we didn't even think that far out. Let's just try this kind of cool new thing and see what happens with it. And it turned into this whole thing that keeps us both very busy now. We didn't know that at the time and that maybe that made it easier. We weren't committing to, it would have been very different. We said, do you want to have a a job? (laughs) Start a media empire. Yeah. And like do it full time. And yeah, all the different things we've done with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think one thing, again, outlier example, but I do think one thing that has helped me in my career And maybe it was necessitated a little bit by a creative career where you have so little control of outcomes. Maybe if you like go to law school and do well and become a lawyer, it's like you're following some set path. I feel like in the creative realm, you're a little bit more like pulling tickets wherever you possibly can. There's a great runner on the West Wing, that series, where Martin Sheen plays the president. And whenever people are talking to him, he's like, "Uh uh-huh. okay, and that's what we'll do what's next? And he's just constantly saying what's next at the end of every conversation. Like there's always something else to do. And I do feel like that implanted in my brain early, the idea of, okay, that door just slammed in my face. What's next? Like we don't, there's so many slammed doors in your face. You don't have time to be like, oh, I must be a bad person who failed. I'm like, nope. What's next always. And I think that has helped me keep moving forward. Right. You have freedom. The door that's slamming your face is but one direction you could have gone in. And then there's there's so many other ways to go. Yeah, there were certainly times where I put a lot of eggs in one basket. I worked for probably two and a half years on a screenplay that I thought was going to light the world on fire. And then the movie that I was writing came out like a month after I finished my screenplay. It was very similar. Happened to me. It happened to me. I spent two years writing a screenplay with a partner and I was telling a friend about it, you know, out to dinner with an old friend and her eyes sort of widened and she's like, have you read the other one was called Public Enemy Number One and it shot with Tim Allen. I don't think it ever got released. I think it was was supposedly (laughs) not the best. I'm sure it was not as good as mine would have been. But this happens all the time. There's a book called Big Magic. I'll put the link in the show notes because, again, it's creative, but I think it applies to a lot of us. Elizabeth Gilbert wrote it. She wrote E Pray, Love, among other books. And this book called Big Magic is about like having great ideas. And it's very woo-woo, but it's true that she would say that what happened to both of us is that the universe is like, I have an idea. 
I have an idea for you. It's whispering in your ear. You should get your MSW or like, here's an idea for a screenplay. And you're like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. And you resist the call. The idea will give up and go find somebody else. So when you've like spent too long on something and then you're like, wait, somebody else had the idea for cute skeleton earrings? Yes, they did because you... (laughs) Because you sat on it. The idea gave up on you and picked a new person. Let's talk briefly about the pandemic. Based on U.S. Census data, between March and April of 2020, 3.5 million mothers living with school-aged children left work, either shifting into paid or unpaid leave, losing their job, exiting the labor market altogether, right? The pandemic meant somebody had to be home, homeschooling these kids. Even before the pandemic, LinkedIn has an article about you know, mothers taking a break. Almost half of working mothers take an extended break, time off from work beyond maternity leave allowance after the birth of their children. So they don't just take six weeks off. They leave for a while. Average break is two years. And this, I think, is really important. When we talk about mothers taking career breaks, we often refer to it as a choice. But 57% of all working mothers surveyed said they didn't feel they had a choice. Finances were the top factor that prevented them from taking a break. On the flip side, more than a third said they took a break because it was more cost effective to stay at home than pay for childcare. So this idea of like, oh, well, I'll take some time off when I have my kids and then I'll come back. And it can be very, very facile. People are not always making these decisions. They're not making these decisions absent, you know, real economic factors and consequences. Yeah. Childcare is so, so expensive. Anything you have to justify that you're paying somebody more to take care of your kids than you're earning, even for something you love doing and you're good at, it's not always a choice that's open to everybody. I remember when I first moved back to New York, I was working in the city three days a week, flexible job. I mean, amazing circumstances. And still, I was barely making money because I had to cover childcare for all of that time. Yeah. And did you feel like I need to keep doing this because I need to keep a hand in? Was the job fun enough that it was worth the stress or was it hard? Yeah. I mean, it was a fun job. And I did have a feeling of like, let me keep a pot on the stove simmering in the background. And as we've discussed, I was working in that job when I reconnected with you. And so I do think it was, it's a funny Plinko game, (laughs) you know, which probably is an oldie locks alert. Back in my day, I don't think people watch the price of is right, but like there's a disc that bounces through pegs. And just when you think it's heading towards $1 million, it takes a funny bounce and goes to like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) paddy wagon or whatever. And so, yes, I could have never predicted. I think probably right. If I hadn't had that job, we wouldn't have reconnected. And who knows what would have happened exactly. Sliding doors, Amy, sliding doors. I'd be doing a different podcast, no podcast at all. Who knows what I would, maybe I'd be a social worker helping people. I don't know. I'm going to take a minute just to think about that. But yes, these are very, very complicated decisions and difficult to talk about in terms of like, well, should you work or no? I mean, there are a million factors that go into it. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the challenges of leaving and the challenges of coming back into the workforce. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about uh, leaving the workforce because you have to, because you want to, because you need to, and it's complicated. It's never as easy as like, these are two great choices. So <laughs> no, rarely. And then there's the time when you want to on ramp after you had two kids in three years or, you know, whatever it is, your oldest is in kindergarten. And I'm going to lean back into that career that I set aside or part-timed or whatever. Then what happens? Or before we even go back to the on ramp, I want to acknowledge what so many of my friends and myself all went through, which is your career takes, let's talk about someone graduating from a four-year college, you're, let's say 21. Let's say it takes about 10 years for your career to really hit its stride, right? Maybe you tried a couple different things. Now you're five, six, seven years with a company. You might be about to make partner. You might be about to get the promotion. You might be about to like grab some brass ring. It is exactly that time, now you're 31, 32, where you're starting to think about having kids. And so those two lines have met for so many friends of mine, right? Right at that point of, okay, do I want to like stay in this executive vice president 60 hour a week job that I've put 10 years of my life and tens of thousands of dollars worth of education towards? Or do I want to be home with my kids at some point, especially the jobs that are 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Chelsea Connaboy and Mother Brain talks about the lip service that we sort of pay towards, well, we want mothers to be flexible and like, no, this is a very mom-friendly workplace that doesn't really bear out when there's studies. You can hire a male parent or a female parent. Of course, like the male parent, it only accrues to that man's benefit in hypothetical employer's mind that this is a family man. And if it's a mom, no matter how much they say, 
studies show that the same resume, they're going to pick the guy with kids, not the woman with kids. Not to mention so many people I know ended up in family-friendly workplaces like a law firm where you could go, okay, now you go to part-time. So before, as a corporate lawyer, you're working 70 hours a week. Now you're going to work 20 hours a week, but really that bleeds into 45, 50 hours a week. So now you're making half of your salary to work a full-time job and you can't be the person who's constantly saying like, well, it's recital night. I have to go. There are a lot of jobs where like the boulder is always rolling. We were just talking with somebody who we work with at our business about what does flexibility really look like? And I think it's a really interesting question of are you allowed to take days off where you don't explain where you are? Are you allowed to call out whenever your kid is sick? I've since the beginning of this school year, September, have had kids out sick probably 12 days because my kids kept giving each other the cold, right? So I had one out sick and they would get the other one sick and they would get the other one sick. And my husband has a flexible job. He can work from home, but still a lot of it fell to me to cover. And so I do think that the I hope that this is getting better. And I hope that after the pandemic, the more people are working remotely, taking the commute out of things, like the easier that this gets to access jobs. But I think it, the flexibility is good, but it also the boundaries are hard, right? Like if I can slack you at 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to. If you work at home, then you can work on Sundays, you know, that it becomes as work moves into the home, it's easier for us to do both. But also that means you're always doing both. That's right. That you're like at seven o'clock at night, let me log back on. And there's not, there's no delineation between the two. Yeah, it's not great, Amy. It's not great. <laughs> Let's talk about the on-ramp because that part goes great, right? When you take a couple years out and go back in, that's just, that's the easy part. Challenging. <laughs> I have talked before about my cousin. When I got that job in New York City, I had been working for this company for a long time, big media company, and they wanted me to come in full time. I said right away, I can't come in full time, but... I have a colleague, I said, I don't think I admitted that it was my cousin who works in television production and, and I set up a job share. So we both worked 20 hours a week. I mean, it was once in a lifetime. Like, I'm not even putting this out there. It's like, here's a good idea because it's very hard to make happen. But we did. My cousin had been out of the workforce fully for 14 years and coming back for her I had always been working and keeping up and try, you know, I had been on the computer and trying to create content. So I was pretty hip on the like, you know, what was out there technology wise. But media company, all young people in our 40s, we were 10 years older than almost every other person on our giant floor that we worked on. And it is intimidating. I mean, we just we were out of our league, you know, and getting back to it, and I didn't, I was sort of like, all right, I'll work for this company and whatever. I didn't have a lot of skin in the game, but my cousin who was just getting back to work, it was really difficult for her and it does move fast. And you can feel at 42, 43, like the oldest person alive as you try to get caught back up. Yes. Deeply felt. <laughs> deeply felt. <laughs> recognized as familiar. And then a pivot might become the right answer, right? Then, then you start to consider a pivot, like maybe I can't go back to the law firm. Maybe I can't go back to Arthur Anderson, where I was on one kind of track and now I'm not. Maybe a pivot is easier than trying to jump back into this double Dutch thing that has gotten different while I was away. I think that's really 
crucial. And it's good to think about. I have, I know a ton of people, mom friends of mine who worked in media, who booked models for shoots, you know, who were working at like, there's a building in New York, the Grace Building, where like, you know, Vanity Fair and Vogue, they're all in that big white curved building. And if you had a job in that building, it's hard to go back, right? Like everybody is now, you were 25, now everybody's 25. And I think it's important to say, and really this happened to me as well. I mean, I had been writing Sitcom writing was basically what I did. So I went to a lot of meetings with, you know, backwards baseball cap wearing dudes who were like, yo, you know, and pitched my ideas. And I'm going to say even at 35, I felt old in some of those rooms. So after three kids, I definitely thought, I don't know what's next, but I know I'm not going back at 45 with a nursing bra on and trying to pitch those dudes again like that. I don't want to. And even if I did want to, no one is looking for me, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. That makes me angry. And it's like, well, we have to fight against that. We have to show up in those spaces. And I think that's true. And I also think it's true that like, yeah, they weren't going to hire you to write the rom-com. They're going to hire, you know, their friend or the chick they think is hot, right? Like it's it's a space that it's hard to demand room for yourself. In. For sure. And I do think like especially media, especially Hollywood, they are so devout and they worship at the altar of like young people have fresh ideas and are good and old people have failed and are bad. And I don't know, I didn't want to fight that fight. So I was definitely like, okay, this is pivot time, whether that's (laughs) pursuing social work or finding Amy Wilson and starting a podcast. I didn't know. (laughs) Another thing that can be difficult when you're going back to work. I know a lot of people who've gone back to school, but I have a relative who decided after her husband passed away, and she was a little bit older, but probably in her 50s, maybe late 50s, that she wanted to go back. Uh, She had worked in medical all of her life, and she thought, oh, she'll go back and get a nursing degree and become a nurse. And she couldn't get a loan because the loan places were like, you'll be dead before you pay this loan off. Like it takes 25 years to pay off a loan and you're 60 and you're not going to be working as a nurse when you're 85. So like there's not enough runway for you to get this degree. I'm not saying this is everyone's experience. I'm sure there are people who go back and get nursing degrees in their 50s. But the amount of, you know, as we say, closed doors in your face that you face, you don't always see them coming. You might think like, oh, it's that I don't know how to use Snapchat at the hip media company. But there's a lot of th- a lot of doors that can be closed. Yeah. And, and I guess I'm thinking as I'm sitting here and I don't want the only answer that we offer to be like, well, just to accept yourself and. Take more yoga classes. like. Oh, no, no, no. Fear not. We have lots of answers coming in part three, Amy. Right. Because it can't just be like your fulfillment. It is nice if your fulfillment and your income that you need to bring home for your family dovetail. They don't always. You should have both things in your life. Maybe they're the same thing. Amazing. You should have some of both. But it isn't like pivot towards, you know, I'm thinking about some of the things that have worked for me. Like I've gotten more involved in volunteering. I'm on the board of my apartment building in New York City. And I've learned about budgeting, how to read budgets, things like that. I didn't know that before I started this volunteer work, but I do now. And that's a skill set that I could apply towards a career. But I don't have the same stress of like, shoot, I got to figure this out. Back when I was in Actors' Equity, you needed to get a certain number of jobs per year to keep your health care. We both have actor friends, right? Yes. 
Oh, Writer's Guild, the same. Yeah, like I need to book a commercial by December 15th or I lose my family's health care for next year. Like there's those problems too. It isn't just, am I really happy? <laughs> the problems can be more immediate than that. No, 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 oh, no. And let me say, that's not the level we're talking about. Like, am I totally fulfilled? Should I look for something new? And I do think it's about understanding what choices are available. So your choices that were available at 25 are not available at 50. They're not all the same choices, you know? And so I think it is important to say, like, what choices are available? What is interesting to me about those choices? And realize that there are paths to pursue. I mean, I think that I really did think about the social work thing. And there was just that whatever, what did you say? Magic something, her book, Big Magic. That big magic voice was like, no, not yet. There's something else. Like, I felt like I really felt clear about that voice. But I also, in the meantime, started a volunteer job that has become a part-time job for me that I'm extremely passionate about. And I teach and I did keep going with certain things that I just think I always like to have a lot of irons in the fire. And then I'm willing to say like, okay, which one is right? How those irons in the fire matter. I have a friend who is a teacher and a composer within the choral composing world, pretty well known. Like if your kid is in a children's chorus, good chances are they've sung a a composition by this friend of mine wanted to get a new job teaching music for personal reasons, like closer to home. So, but anyway, went to interview with this new school and the school, they were like, are you the same person who's this person? (laughs) And my friend said, yes. And they were sort of like, why do you, why would you want to teach violin to children? Yeah. Why would you want to work here? Right, right. Well, I do both things. I teach music because I love it. I'm going to teach closer to my home because I want to. And it's okay with me that somebody's like, but why would you work here when you're this well-known person? But anyway, you have to be okay with that with people not always understanding the trajectory of your own choices. Yeah. And I think that's right. Like finding your path back. First of all, it may take knocking on a bunch of different doors. And also it may take a big pivot where you want something different than you wanted before, or they want something different than you are now. And it also just may take a couple of tries at things before you find the thing that's right for you. We're all solutions when we come back. Don't worry. All solutions. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S P O R T S R E S E A R C H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. 
Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. And now, before kids and after kids, the working mom. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Before kids managed litigation strategy that resulted in drug manufacturing client being the sole defendant to obtain early dismissal from large antitrust action against six companies. After kids. Trying to convince other members of the PTA that the kids art show doesn't necessarily need to involve a chocolate fountain with limited success. Before kids. As forestry specialist, directed the work of contract crews to meet transmission line safety, reliability, and compliance requirements within the transmission system. After kids. Leading a scout troop, which mostly involves trying to get the kids to stop hitting each other with sticks. Before kids. Trained at a top music conservatory in vocal performance before spending years in Europe performing with high-profile opera repertory company. After kids. Is totally cringe when singing along in the car, according to all three of her offspring. Before kids. Ran a team of 20 implementing protocols to maximize sales revenue quarter over quarter with an aim of 6% growth annually, excluding inflation amortization. After kids. Is trying to get a four-year-old to stop throwing broccoli at mealtime. It's not going great. This has been Before Kids and After Kids, The Working Mom. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, we're going to pivot. All right. Yeah, we're pivoting. We're talking about pivoting and pivoting while we're talking about the pivot. These are mostly from Jamie Burt for Indeed.com, an article about reentering the workforce after being a stay at home parent. Okay. We've talked about number one, uncover what you really want. But here are some questions that Jamie, who might be a she or a he, we don't know, posits. Would I like to work full or part time? What kind of career growth am I seeking? That's interesting, right? Like, am I looking to like start at the bottom and work my way up the ladder here? Or am I just like looking to pass the time or just hum along? Looking at my friend, like career growth, like, no, I'm no longer trying to change the world and impress anybody. I'm trying to get a job that meets my happy life requirements in a different way. That's right. I guess that is growth, but it's not like more important than the last job. Financial goals, that should be probably number one. Like, is this like I need to feed my family or is this like a little extra money would be nice? Mm -hmm. 
Am I able to do consulting contractor freelance work? And what roles fit within my schedule and responsibilities? I mean, these seem <laughs> not, not as it turns out. <laughs> Some of these I feel like seem kind of obvious and meh, but I do think that I like, you know, Amy, I have my book right here. I mean, I like to start with a list. I like to start by writing stuff down. And I do think we skip this part somehow. Like we open the, you know, I'm talk about it in Oldie Locks. Back in my day, I was going to say we open the paper and look at the classifieds. We don't do that anymore because it's 2022 now. But I mean, it's great before you start really looking to look at the man in the mirror, I guess is what I'm saying, Amy, and sort of try to say, like, if I could imagine it, what would it look like? What's the most important to me? Where's my beloved triangle? What's at the top? What's at the bottom, right? This is what I was trying to get at before with the like trying to look at it from a place of abundance instead of fear. Like I'm in this moment where I can do any number of things. I'm safe. I have one foot planted and now I'm going to set off in a new direction and I get to take some time to discern where that is first. Absolutely. Which is different than I need to make $800 a week to cover what we're short on. They're different calculations. They're different calculations. Right. And I guess I'm saying even if you're solving for the second, if you can bring a little bit of the first. A little bit of the first. Instead of like I've been dropped into the Hunger Games and now, no, go. (laughs) Now. You have time. You have time to look around you and decide what you want to do. And this is, I mean, a lot of our people have little kids, but this is worth doing now. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You may have a two, four, six-year-old. This may be 10 years off for you, but it's always a good idea to have the little like room of my own's list going on. Mm -hmm. Here's another tip, Amy. Update your materials, obviously your resume. Have you ever heard of this? Consider a skills-based resume outline rather than a typical chronological one. Okay. I did have someone tell me this a while back that you don't need to necessarily put your employment dates on your resume. And I have done it like, again, get someone who knows how to do a resume to look at it for you. But don't be afraid to add coaching the gymnastics team, volunteer experience, scout leader. It depends where you're applying. Certainly, if you're applying to like a high end law firm as a lawyer, like maybe not. But don't be afraid to include skills that you've gained as a parent. I want to be like, it shouldn't matter. Like it's you shouldn't have to hide that you graduated from college in 2004. But (laughs) that's the world, right? (laughs) Or earlier. Right. Or earlier. But we're in a ageist, sexist hiring environment. So this does make sense to me. Refresh your skills. So sign up for classes, conferences, connect with your college or university. They have a job posting board and they may have positions for people reentering the workforce. Take part in a returning talent workshop. Many major companies and businesses host seminars and workshops geared towards those returning to work and then do consulting work or volunteer. I mean, volunteer, I do think like I actually have started a second career that started as a volunteer job. And I do suggest to people to volunteer at stuff because it's contacts and it's skills and you just never quite know where it's going. It can. And it does lead to work. The mom who at my son's high school who just like she did a great job running the PA. She just was so central to so many fundraising efforts now works for the school in its um, in its fundraising department. So that makes sense to me. You get active on social sites. You put your resume on LinkedIn. You know, on LinkedIn, you can put open to work. Yes. Open to hiring, open to work. And then Indeed is Indeed.com slash laughing. That's our special link. But it makes it super easy. Yes. It's easy to look. It's easy to see. And we've done this in our own, you know, podcast hiring for our team. 
it's very easy to see what job descriptions look like and what kind of person is being looked for and what kind of skills are being asked for. It's very easy to dabble and look around. Yeah. And in the same vein, call in your networks, make new connections. I mean, that's basically how we started, right? Like, oh, there's Amy. I wonder what she's up to. And I think this can be really challenging. And I think this is a great place to watch your story. Oh, everyone just thinks I'm a loser. Everyone from college is like, whatever happened? She had so much potential. She's just home with kids. What a bore. She drives a minivan. What a loser. That is almost always a story that is much more important in our own head than anyone else. Mm -hmm. If you have friends or contacts in any area, it's kind of like dating. You say, you tell as many people as, I mean, that's what I did when I was single. I was like, hey, I'm looking if you know anybody, you know, I'm getting older, getting up there. Then I put my resume out on some dating sites and I reeled one in. I mean, it worked for me, <laughs> reeled one in. But that's always a good idea. And, you know, LinkedIn is kind of easy for that. I mean, I find people from like every job I've ever had is somehow connected to me on LinkedIn generally. I like this idea. Consider a return ship. Paid roles that are more in-depth than traditional internships and focus on candidates returning to the workforce. I feel like this would be a good way, if you have the time to under-earn and over-deliver and get back into the workforce that way, that seems like it would be successful. I had never heard this term before, return-ship, but you can Google it and it's an internship for people coming back versus young people. And I do think that people, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm just a crazy dreamer, Amy, but I do think that companies have gotten a little more savvy. It depends. In media, not at all. I mean, I literally like walked through the halls of that media company at 43 and people practically recoiled in terror. Like there's an old person in here. I would not, you know, again, high end slick side part. She's got a side part. High end slick media would not be my choice for returning to the workforce. But you can tell when places are not looking for this. And it's surprising. I mean, we've been in the mom content sphere for quite a time. And I'm not going to lie, Amy and I have gone to several meetings where we've walked in to pitch mom content. And it's a room full of 22-year-old dudes. <laughs> We're like, wait, what? So, Or maybe 32, but they look 22 to us, right? It's Yeah. Don't pound on doors that are not going to be right, you know? But I do think, yeah, keeping open, trying. Practice and prepare is a good one, obviously. Like practice, don't go in cold for your first job interview in 14 years. And that may be a good place to interview at the movie theater, the Dunkin' Donuts, like literally just like fill out applications and do a little bit practicing interviewing, even if they're jobs that you're not dying to take. This is the final one, which I think is really interesting. And I'm not sure I've been out of it for long enough. Talk up your gap years. So, you know, I think that in the oldie times, you and I would have probably, and I think I did, really try to camouflage and disguise the fact that we hadn't been working in a couple of years because I was so trained in Hollywood. Like if you haven't gotten a job in six months, mm. you're just old fish. Like you stink, you're gross. Nobody wants any part of you. And it was always, I always used to laugh like when I got a job, like oh, I'm back. Like now when someone asks what I'm doing, I, I have an answer. You know, the idea of like I was constantly staving off the stench of long-term unemployment. But I do think that maybe leaning into that a little bit more could be worthwhile, you know, especially if you're pivoting, especially if you are using the skills that you've earned, you know, running a bunch of really successful events in town to work for a party planner or, you know, using those mom skills. 
I think back in the day, it would have been really off-putting. Like, well, I was a mom. It's like, who cares? We only care, you know, if you integrate Snapchat into the overall social media space, blah, 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 you know. But I, I think more and more people are a little bit more realistic and maybe even after the pandemic of like, okay, what are your skills? What can you do? It's so true. And, and I, I just met a, a woman this week, extremely successful, who has pivoted several times in her life. I'm thinking of her. I don't want to say what she worked on without her permission, but she created a huge parenting site. Then she wrote some novels, one of which became a huge television show. So she's got this huge parenting site, which still earns. She created a television show, which does very well. And she is probably halfway between my age and my mom's age and is very much like, what's next? I'm figuring out what's next for me. She's Martin Sheen from the West Wing, Amy. Yes. And she was saying it without shame. And of course, me looking at her was like, you created that parenting website and this hit television show? Like, wow, like what's next for you? So she was, whereas the same things in myself, I'd be like, well, I used to act and then I did this and I have a podcast. It seems like I'm all over the place. Like She didn't apologize for it. And it was actually really cool. And this other person for me to see she had done these cool things and she was trying to decide what to do next. So I guess I'm just saying channel that person, right? She's She had done cool things. I'm going to decide what's next. She was going to London by herself on vacation to rent a house and figure out what she was going to do next because she's an empty nester and she could do that kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, like that's cool. Like she was doing pivoting in style. Yeah. And like it's all over the place. And that's, you know, obviously like rare air to some degree. I do think that there's a lot of room to try. And believe me, one thing that Amy and I can both say, we've tried a lot of things. Yeah. And I was just thinking about this in another context a few minutes ago of not, I think trying so many things, it freed me from that thing of what happened? I failed. Now I'm humiliated. I have to crawl in a hole for two years. Like I was always like, well, that, oh yeah, no one wanted it. They literally left me out of the room, but thanks for asking. <laughs> but now I'm trying this podcast thing, you know, and watching your story as you go back. I'm old. I'm ancient. No one wants me. I'm an old stinky fish, you know, like watching that story and saying like, hey, I'm competent. We don't do the ageism stuff as much anymore, people. Like, here's what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pivot and find my next chapter and start thinking about it when your kids are little mm -hmm. and start building little pieces of it. It's so much like a room of our own. That episode, go back and listen to it if you haven't. Carving out some space and time for you and your needs and your wants and your goals that have nothing to do with the happiness of anyone else in your home. I can't recommend it highly enough. It may be like a little tiny. It's little. It's little and then there'll be bigger and then there'll be times when you have time to lean into it and times when you can't. Don't feel bad if that's not a very big part of your life right now, but keep it going. You're right. So then it doesn't seem like, oh, where will I begin? Well, you've been thinking all along. You might want to learn how to cut hair. So now's your chance. Now's your chance. <laughs> and if you do that, please call me because I need a haircut. Yes, exactly. When you're not thinking of your next pivot, Amy, you should be thinking about subscribing to our newsletter. Yes. Very, very well said. There's so many ways you can do it. It's in our link in our Instagram. It's on our website. 
We put it up on Facebook. Just go to wetfreshhealthpodcast.com. And of course, the link in the show notes where you're listening right now. A little click, you sign up. Once a month, you'll see what's going on with our podcast, the other podcasts in Atlas Media, and our favorite. I put a book that I was reading last month that I really liked. You can only find that in the newsletter, people. Sign up for the newsletter. You want to know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Sign up. She's Wow. Yeah, who knows what I'll say next. Not even going to hint at it. And with that, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time, friends. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.